hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. A pleasure to be back on board once again today for the annual State of the Wild 2017 edition. This is now the ninth annual State of the Wild. State of the Wild might have sounded better, but oh well, it just kind of came out that way, didn't it? You know, sometimes there's not much you can do about that. But yeah, it's going to be a three-segment show. Season wrap-up, segment number one. Free agency draft, draft free agency, segment number two. Fan interaction, if there is any, in segment number three. That type of thing. No, I'm just kidding. There should be some. So, <laughs> no, there will be some. So, we're going to try to get things rolling here. We might even merge the other part in, but nah, let's let's leave fan interaction separate. It's a little bit better that way. So, yeah, just kind of jumping down the fly here with some of it, piecing things together, if you know what I mean. So, again, we're going to talk about the season that was, which was the most successful regular season in franchise history. Pales in comparison postseason history. Even though the Wilds postseason history has not been spectacular, there has been some success in the past, and this year you can't call it a whole lot of success in the postseason. 106 points for the Minnesota Wilds, second place in the Central Division. The Wild did win the division years ago before it was the Central Division, back when we were in the Northwest Division, and the Wild's success rate that year, not so good. The Wild was the number three seed in the Western Conference, lost to the Colorado Avalanche in six against uh, Jose Theodore, Jose Theodore, future goalie for the Wild, <laughs> a couple years later, and former Wild player who beat uh, Patrick Waugh, Andrew, you know, Andrew Brunette, oh goody. Yeah, kind of changing uh, jerseys with that one. That was a bummer. He was uh, quite valuable for the Colorado Avalanche in that series about, gosh, 11 years ago. No, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It wasn't 11 years ago. It was uh, about nine years ago. So right around when I, pa- Paladino Live was still hanging around, you know, before Brave the Wild started, that type of thing. Um, man, unbelievable. <laughs> Wild history in the postseason has been more successful than this year, but you get the idea. So let's just kind of comb over things a bit, as of course the Wilds' regular season started against the St. Louis Blues. How ironic over there. <clears throat> Scott trade center, the Wild lose 3-2. to two. Ken Hitchcock still the coach of the Blues, who's now going to be the coach of the Dallas Stars. Even more ironic, Mike Yo, of course, the associate head coach of the Blues at the time, went on to be the head coach of the Blues, and we know it happened in the playoffs, even though the Wild played so well against the Blues. And yes, they did, but they just didn't win. And bottom line, the final score is what matters, regardless how many shots you have on goal, regardless how many times you got screwed by the refs, or whatever you want to say. But uh, extreme frustration for all of us here, wondering if this team is at a plateau or what's the deal. You saw early on, the Wild looked okay. You saw scoring early on, and then you saw no, hardly any scoring. Uh, the Wild do decently against Winnipeg the following night, 4-3 to three victory. And then you see a six-goal crushing against the LA Kings. Of course, Budaj in the net in that case. No Jonathan Quick, who got injured right out of the gate. The Wild beat a Toronto team after that. A decent month of uh, October, to be quite honest, as there is a lot of green as you comb over the schedule <laughs> in this one. No, I'm not going to go over every game, but it's just some impressive victories for the Wild. Devin Dubnik showing early signs after a meh, mediocre start to the season. And, of course, Darcy Kemper having an okay start along the way. And then things quickly went down in a big way for Darcy Kemper. But then Devin Dubnik ultimately against New Jersey, Boston, and Buffalo, and Dallas. Just three shutouts in a row against those clubs. And you also saw 
the Wild beat New Jersey or lose to New Jersey two to one. I don't know what's with the Wild in New Jersey this year. Extremely frustration. Five nothing win against the Boston Bruins in the TD America Garden. Uh, pretty awesome, or TD Garden, I guess they call it. Ultimately, in that case, uh, Devin Dubnik just outstanding uh, team record and shutout uh, shutout minutes consecutive. Just spectacular run there to wrap up the month of October. But, boy, uh, Darcy Kemper showing what he can do in a bad way as he'll be uh, a factor in the postseason awards later on. 6-3 to three in, <laughs> in Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Darcy Kemper just not up to the challenge there, giving up five goals in that one overall. Uh, empty netter as the Wild try as they might to catch up later on, later on in that game. Unfortunately for the Wild, Things just did not finish well in that one. But a solid month of October to start out the season. Six wins versus no yep, six wins versus three losses, so not too bad. The Wilds starting out okay. But then you saw kind of back and forth. You saw a team that could hardly score, and then Bruce Boudreaux made a comment basically saying, Well, if we have to win games two to one, so be it. Because it's we don't have a forty goal score, we don't have a Patrick Kane on this club. I remember that quote very well. I just saw losses to Buffalo uh, at home, two to one. What the hell? One nothing against Colorado, three to two in Philly, and then. But for some reason, the Wild play so well against Pittsburgh as they went four two in that one. You saw one nothing against Calgary. The Wild could not beat Calgary all season. Just devastating. Um, Ottawa Senators get to the East Finals. The Wild always seem to play well against them. Dumba, uh, valuable in that one along the way. You saw a 6-2 win versus Pittsburgh. You saw a 4-2 win versus Pittsburgh. Very exciting. And then you saw Devin Dubnik, whenever he was in net, it was like one or two goals allowed. And then you saw Darcy Kemper drive you absolutely insane. 5-4 loss in Vancouver on the 29th. As you're just hoping, that was again at the end of November, you're just hoping that, you know, you were hoping coming into this season that Darcy Kemper could give Devin Dubnik the breaks he needed during the course of the season. But did that happen? Of course not. Darcy Kemper just lets you down again, and what happened to Devin Dubnik as the season continues? Well, we all remember pretty well what happened in the, during the course of February to March. You saw a constant decline in goals against average, but at this point in November into December, Devin Dubnik was downright spectacular. Uh, after a 3-2 loss in Calgary, you're thinking, man, why couldn't the Wild beat the Calgary Flames? Like, what is with the Wild and the Flames? Then you see Devin Dubnik be great in Edmonton. 2-1 to one victory. You saw a 3-2 victory in Toronto. And, you know, I predicted the Wild would start a little winning streak here with two games against Edmonton and Toronto, even though Edmonton's better and everything. But the Wild have played well against them, and the Wild would go on to win two games against Edmonton over the course of the week, against one against in Toronto anyway. And you saw this was the start of a definitely a franchise-changing winning streak <laughs> for the Wild, or what could have been... A wonderful thing, but it ended up being a dozen wins in a row during the month of December. The Wild would finish 12-2 and in December, losing the uh, the bookend games to Calgary and, of course, New Year's Eve to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But not before the Wild would have some nice wins against St. Louis. Florida just crushed the Florida Panthers. They beat the National Predators. Pekka Rene, the Wild had Pekka Rene by the ass most of the season, and it was awesome. And it's just so ironic, considering what Pekka Rene has been able to accomplish during the course of the postseason, and later in the regular season as well, when you saw Rene shut out the Wild. We'll talk about that much later. Pekka Rene, it's just like, you know, this guy, they always say how good he is, and you always hear about how good he is, and you know he's good, but why are we always kicking his ass? It's kind of cool that we're able to do it, and you see struggling from him at times, yet here come the Wild, crushing, crushing Pekka Rene, 
the Western Conference champion at a bare minimum, Nashville Predators. Uh, 4-2, 4-1 win against Arizona. You shut out Colorado. Devin Dubnik just dominant. You put in Darcy Kemper in a couple of games in the wild, able to outscore their opponents, New York Rangers and New York Islanders. Luckily, uh, 6-4, 7-4 wins because Lundqvist was awful along the way. Ranta was much better later on than the regular season. The Islanders just kind of a mess. The Wild able to keep up with them. Two wins against Nashville along the way during this win streak. Nashville Predators. I mean, it's just one of those L.A. King type stories. Uh, and then, of course, the heartbreaking loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Both clubs with 12 wins in a row. And here come the Blue Jackets. They, they're the ones to get 13 in a row. And they kept that thing going for a little while until the Washington Capitals knocked them off. And then the Capitals go on to have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And we know how their season ended. In the second round, losing to Pittsburgh again. <laughs> well, isn't that just a rotten shame? But a nice 12-game win streak for the Wild along the way. You saw Kurt Charlie Coyle play well. You saw Nino Niederreiter have good runs along the way. I mean, Parisi back and forth, back and forth, but he'd have these nice moments. You saw Mikhail Granlin just start to take off. Oh, man, it was just so exciting. And he just continued to rise up and have such wonderful games along the way did to Mikhail Granlund. You saw him go from a guy who was a, a valuable piece to this team to go on to be the leading scorer of this club, and he would not relinquish it throughout the rest of the way. The Wild would come back, end that losing streak right away with a win over San Jose, but then lose again to the Los Angeles Kings, unfortunately, along the way. But then they start another three-game win streak, four-game win streak, pardon me, but then they lose to New Jersey, and it's like, okay. But again, the Wild, over the course of January... Not quite as immortal as they were in December, but still, you'd get two or three wins in a row before you'd lose a game. So, it's like, sure, you'd win three out of four, four out of five, and that was good. So, you continue to catch up to the Chicago Blackhawks, which sounded impossible. You passed Nashville much earlier along the way. You passed St. Louis. It's like, wow, we're actually in second place. And then you're fine for first place. You even take over first place along the way in January into February. Just so exciting because the Blackhawks would have some bad games on occasion. You saw a weird start to the month of February with a 5-1 loss against Calgary. And who could forget the look on Mr. Boudreaux's face looking up at the screen on one of the Calgary goals that made it 4-1. to one. He, he, it's just It was the funniest look. You see him looking up at the screen and then his jaw just dropped. Like, what? It was just hilarious. <laughs> I love that look. My brother is famous for doing that along the way um, in an argument with his wife years ago. That's just, you know, how couples argue on the phone sometimes, and that just was hilarious. Devin Dumnik had one of his worst games of the season, giving up five goals, and the Flames just dominate the Wild over the course of the entire season. And I don't know what the hell happened there. Uh, Jason Zucker, during the course of the win streak, went from a guy who was getting his third, fourth goal of the year to, like, 16. Just awesome for Jason Zucker. He would be streaky the rest of the way, as would pretty much everybody else. Uh, Nito Niederreiter would go through streaks. Koivu would look downright fantastic at times, and then all of a sudden he'd stop scoring. But for the longest time, you saw Granlin, Zucker, Koivu be the best line in the league, and it was just spectacular. It would continue through from December all the way through February. The team would just look awesome. Uh, the 6-3 win against Vancouver, the first hat-trick for the Wild since uh, Ryan Suter about a year and a half ago. And it would be Mikhail Granlund. Luckily, I've got my hockey hats. Those of you that know me on Facebook, they're all on the couch just waiting for someone to score a hat trick as I gently toss them one by one onto the floor so that way I can recover them rather than be at the game and throw them all on the ice. And I lose some really nice hats, including an Atlanta Flames hat. I mean, why would I want to lose that? Atlanta Flames? You ever heard of them before? 
It's the same team that kind of swept the wild during the regular season this year. They just happened to move to Calgary in 1980. But, yeah, uh, it sucks, doesn't it? But, yeah, hmm. but uh, that 6-3 to win in Vancouver was so much fun. But you saw a little bit of sloppiness out of Dubnik on occasion, but then he'd pick it up again. You know, the Wild would only give up one goal against Anaheim, but they'd still lose the game. Give up only one goal to Dallas, but you'd win the game. Whooped Nashville again, 5-2 to victory, Feb 18. Incredible little win there. And then the worm started to turn. That game against the Chicago Blackhawks, the 5-3 to loss against the Blackhawks, to me, just felt like one of those moments where you're like, uh-oh, a little bit of uh-oh going on. And it's like, okay, the Wild are going to lose games to the Blackhawks on occasion, but the way Jonathan Taves just kind of like tore this team up that night, it was disappointing, extremely disappointing. Uh, Parisi seemed to play well against the Blackhawks during the season on a regular basis, uh, but it wouldn't be enough. Uh, Granlin had a multi-goal game. That was cool to see a young uh, to see one of our young stars of the team, even though he's not a superstar, uh, but he would still would go on to have a very successful season. Uh, he would get multiple goals, but Jonathan Taves, who conveniently was, oh, you know, he's struggling. He's only got 12 goals in the season. Yeah, so then he gets a hat trick. Convenient. <laughs> After the two teams skate to a shutout in the first period, here comes Jonathan Taves, Richard Panic, and then, of course, Taves would add assists on Panic's goal, Schmaltz's goal. This was one of the turning points of the season, to be quite honest. Uh, Pominville had been so good, had a nice resurgence under Mr. Boudreau, especially during the win streak, and just during the very successful month of January as well. Just the flow you saw with this team, it all seemed to vanish with this particular game. The Wild looked good, with this in this game at times, but it just seemed like something changed. It just seemed like that moment when you go from this swagger, this comfort, this 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 confidence. It's a quiet confidence, not an arrogance, but an enjoyable, fun confidence that championship teams have. Championship teams enjoy. And then this bully punches him in the mouth and it's like this sucks. <laughs> The 5-3 to three loss to the Blackhawks was really an eye-opener, Jonathan Taves. Now, you had the 4-3 to three loss earlier on the 8th of February, and it's like, okay, you're going to lose some to them, but that hat-trick game was scary. Um, yep, the Wild would go on to win a couple more games after a five-game break against LA and Winnipeg, but they were sloppy, downright sloppy, high-scoring type of games, and again, it's like, I don't know, this isn't going so well, the Columbus game boring as hell. Uh, you saw a couple of little wins here and there, but March just kind of was the beginning of the end. And that 5-3 to three game to me was definitely a turning point, and the Wild would go on losing streaks, a five-game losing streak in the month of March, a stretch of games from March the 7th to the 19th, where the Wild would lose seven out of eight games. I mean, that's f- freaking awful. Now, of course, that losing streak was bookended with a couple of nice wins over San Jose, Thank you very much. <laughs> but, you know, my buddy Chris out there, he uh, sent me a uh, wonderful bottle of uh, uh, <laughs> Bloody Valentine awesome beer from Alesmith. Highly recommend Alesmith. Luckily, it is at local liquor stores, but for some reason, Bloody Valentine wasn't around. I don't know why, but the bet took place again in the month of March there, and luckily the Wild were able to, uh, well, help me out there. So thank you very much. That 3-2 win there on the 21st. Bookend victories for the Wild. Now, of course, the Wild did throw in a victory against Florida, pardon me. But just the sloppiness started to kind of take over. And whenever Kemper was in there, you felt we're going to lose. And then Dubnik, you'd see good games and you'd see bad games. He'd have a one-goal game and he'd give up four goals. And you saw the loss to Washington, where just got absolutely schooled. 
another situation where, oh, Ovechkin hasn't scored in forever. He hasn't scored in like 20 games or whatever. And what happens? It's just a frickin' Mickey frickin' bleepin' Galdern, you know what I mean. Yeah. <sighs> One-timer fest. Ovechkin just kind of left by himself. He's able to get that quick release on and he'd score three power play goals and the hat trick was on and the Washington Capitals, well, they scored five goals against the Wild. Five. The Wild would get four. They'd get back in the game, but they'd ultimately lose the game. Four to two loss earlier, about two, literally two weeks to the day in March to the Washington Capitals. Luckily, the Wild would sweep the Ottawa Senators, if you could believe it, the Eastern Conference finalists along the way. Hard to believe they went that far, but still, hey, you know, at the same time, they, they have some talent. The Wild would pick up the pace. Yeah, 3 nothing loss to Pekka Rene, which was definitely a harbinger for things to come as the National Predators woke up in the month of April. And they're, uh, well, they would, they would go on to a wonderful run here. Uh, Colorado, Carolina, Colorado, and Arizona. The Wild would take advantage of those. And then here came the playoffs. Wasn't that fun? A nice little four-game win streak, wrapping things up. But what did it all mean at the end of the day? Nothing. Didn't mean a damn thing, did it? St. Louis Blues would go on to beat the Wild in five games. The Wild would put up their gajillion shots. Do we need to talk about it anymore in the first game and then still lose in in overtime? Just a heartbreaker. Kind of similar in the second game, but it felt a little bit sloppier. And then the third game felt much sloppier. They weren't the worst games ever, but the Wild just weren't scoring on the son of a biscuit, Jake Allen. And then you saw Dubnik shut out the, the Blues, and you think, oh boy, here we go, it's turning. And then you get game five in XL Energy Center. You get Game 5 in Exit Energy Center. You think, here it is, the turning point of the series. We're going to win this game, take it to St. Louis, win it, and bring her back to the accent. Boy, oh boy, we're going to continue that undefeated streak, and we're going to help out Bruce Boudreaux's uh, <laughs> Game 7 woes and get his second Game 7 victory in his career. Beat the Red Wings years ago with Washington. Um, God, just uh, really, really, did this really happen? Did this happen? Did it happen? Yeah, it happened. It just just kind of did. Yep, uh, the the Blues would take a two nothing lead in that game. They kind of the Wild would kind of come back, and then you have that valiant comeback. Two goals late. Jason Zucker tying it up was so exciting, and then it was all for naught as the Wild could not finish on multiple attempts on Jake Allen, despite finally scoring three goals on the son of a biscuit. Well, even two goals for the first time in the series, the Wild still find a way to lose. Devin Dubnik, not so sharp making a mistake along the way, but you also saw terrible defensive mistakes along the way, too. Scandella had an awful game. Dumba just always kind of seems to always be wrong place, wrong time. Always seems to make the wrong play at the wrong time, wrong pass, out of position, whatever it is. It just always seems to be the case that Matt Dumba is involved with the kind of goal that's like, really? Did we really just give that up? (sighs) So, yeah, we'll talk about that later in segment number two with Matt Dumba and, and such. Um, but we will uh, look on with the regular season and such. Mikhail Granlund would have a career-high 26 goals, 43 assists, 69 points. Eric Stahl, nice renaissance season, 65 points. Koivu with 58, very strong. He had a very strong year last year, added four more points. Should have probably been much more, but unfortunately that Zucker and uh, <laughs> Zucker, Granlund, Koivu line would get split up because... Whatever they were doing before, it just wasn't quite the same. You didn't see the confidence. You didn't see the flow out of them that you saw earlier. And, of course, the production was not there. 
Um, Zucker would go on to score 22 goals. It felt like more, but it was only 22. Graham uh, Niederreiter wound up with 25 on the season. Third best on the club. Nino Niederreiter, a guy very valuable to the Wild as we continue things here. Looking to talk about free agency as we move forward. Uh, Eric Stahl led the team in goals with 28. Very cool. Zach Parisi oft injured, oft sick, oft this, oft that. Still wound up with 42 points in 69 games. Could be worse, but sure as hell could be a lot better. Uh, Parisi wound up with 19 goals in the season. You wish it could have been more. He did get his what would have been his 20th as he's the only goal scorer against St. Louis in that first game, and he would go on to score a goal in the second one. Parisi, very valuable in the playoffs. I do expect a renaissance from Parisi coming forward, and he's going to be on the wild. He's not going to be anywhere else. Uh, Jared Spurgeon would continue his career high from last year into this year, 29, now to 38 points. Again, a better offense, a better flow in front of him, but still, he produced, and he wound up with 10 goals on the year to go along with 28 assists, 38 points. Matt Dumba, yes, continuing to climb up, but how far can he go? 34 points on the season. Pominville with a nice renaissance, I should mention, with 47. Coyle with 56 points, but only 18 goals. Will he ever be a 25 to 30, 30 goal guy? A lot of us not really sure about that, but at least he played all 82 games, so good on him there. Eric Halla, 26 points, 15 goals on the season, if you can believe it, but still. I did not see out of Eric Halla what I thought I was going to see, and it's very disappointing. Uh, Brodeen, career high, 25 points. Chris Stewart, a guy I don't really particularly want back, still won up a 21, if you can believe it. But he scored his 13th goal, or like his 11th goal, like frickin' January, so whatever. What, where was Chris Stewart after that? The Martin Hansel trade that took place along the way seemed like the team kind of went downhill after that trade. Um, Ryan White, I couldn't even stand looking at the guy, much less consider just thinking about him as uh, such a valuable asset to this club in a trade, a nice valuable veteran asset to the team. I didn't really see anything out of him. Uh, Schrader, I thought, was underplayed, underutilized. But when he was out there, it seemed like his value was so high. And then he got completely shafted once Ryan Wright was brought in. He managed to get three points in 19 games. Thank you, Ryan White, along with horrendous penalties. Horrendous, stupid, bonehead play. If Ryan White ever suits up for the Wild again, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think that's fireable for cripe's sake. <laughs> and I said cripes, not the other word. Uh, you saw Tyler Graybach make the team, and you saw him do absolutely nothing most of the time. But at least eventually, on occasion when he was called out, you'd see physical play, you'd see better effort. Seems to be a better winger than a center at this stage. He seemed to play a lot better when he was at wing, and it was cool to watch. Very cool. Um, Christian Folin, still valuable early on during during the strong play of this team. And then, after the knee injury, he wasn't the same the rest of the way. And that was heartbreaking, considering how well Christian Folin played. And what a career move it was for him earlier in the year, because last year the year before, that is, (laughs) he barely saw ice in the NHL. It was the year before that, he actually got a little bit more, he got more action, but but, um, you saw him get to a point where he is flat on an NHL defenseman, and then after the knee injury, it just kind of seemed like he wasn't that great. Gustav Olsen with the most action in the NHL so far, the second round pick, and of course, frustrating for us, considering who he, who could have been drafted there instead of him considering he went in the third round. That's a guy by the name of Jake Bleepin' Gensel. How painful is that? Who would you rather have right now, Jake Gensel or Gustav Olsen? Fill me in on that one. But still, Gustav Olsen, there's still some hope, and, well, we're going to be counting on him more and more as uh, certain wild defensemen depart this club. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Gustav Olsen. We're going to be counting on him. Hopefully he can get better play. Looks smart, looks stupid at times, whatever. Yul Eriksson X started out the season very strong, got quiet, got sent back to Europe, came back physically stronger, looked good real early, and then a whole lot of nothing after that. So hard to say what type of steps Yul Eriksson X will take in the next season. Don't be surprised if he comes back stronger and better. But again, yet to be seen. <sighs> so... I don't know. That's kind of a season wrap-up in a sense. Uh, a season that should have been better. A season that absolutely should have been better. It leaves you hungry for more. But can this club get more? Can this club make the, the right move in the offseason? Will certain draft picks or the, the last couple of years, will this new wave help this team move forward? Last time around, the Wild had a new wave coming in. You had Granlin. You had Niederreiter. You had Coyle. You even could include Holla in that mix. It took a little bit. You had to wait a couple. You had to wait a couple months into that season, but Holla came in and he helped out. He helped the Wild very much against Colorado and Chicago back in 2014. Nita Ryder scored the uh, playoff-winning goal in that series. All those guys came to the Wild, emerged, and helped this club move forward. You saw Jonas Brodeen as well. Nice, valuable group of young guys emerging for this club. Now it wasn't all that year. They came in a year before some of them. And then they continued, and Jason Zucker as well, and they continued uh, to get better. And they were a valuable asset for this club moving into the second round, at least getting past Colorado, and actually made things quite competitive against the Blackhawks, if not for Stanton Gate at the time, back in the 2014 playoffs, which I would note is a hell of a lot more successful playoff run than this year. And that team's regular season was far inferior, until the month of March anyway. <laughs> so can the new wave of Luke Cunning help out. The new wave, the new wave led by Luke Cunning, uh, Alex Tuck, others along the way. Can they come in and help? Jordan Greenway, will he be a, uh, will, will he be a factor? Obviously, Yule Eric Dineck, who came in a little bit early, will he be a factor? Um, Carson Soucy, is he NHL ready? Maybe, maybe not. Nick Sealer, former Gopher, physical guy, will he be NHL ready? So they're all going to have a chance at some time, some way, somebody's got to emerge and help this club. Obviously, you have the veterans that get paid an awful lot of money, and you have certain guys that are kind of stuck here, like Jason Pominville, stuff like that. Um, you have the Vegas uh, draft. We'll talk about that in the second segment, all of that. But um, Scandella, all these guys, they're here at the, at the moment, but then you have changes coming in. You have possible changes. You have forced changes, whatever it is. And then... <sighs> Ultimately, can guys from the new group help this team? Can Kirill Kaprizov be something? Will he be something, or will he just stay in Russia for quite a while? Again, just more and more questions. Unfortunately, more questions than answers at the moment. But, oh well. You know, it's just hopefully this next group can help push this team forward in a big way. Will there be a big trade this offseason? Well, we'll be talking about that soon. Hopefully on the positive side of things, it'll be a smart trade. Last time the Wild made a big trade, it was interesting. It took a couple of years to see who won the trade. In fact, it took quite a while. But it was the San Jose Sharks when the Wild traded Brent Burns away. Yes, you got a, a valuable player in Charlie Coyle. You got a stiff in Devin Setaguchi. And you got an even bigger stiff in Zach Phillips. I don't even know which one was a bigger stiff. I guess Zach Phillips was a bigger stiff because he couldn't even make it in the AHL. Uh, Setaguchi had moments here and there in the NHL, but overall he was a POS. You just got Brent Burns over to Nashville, uh, Nashville over to San Jose. It took a little while. He had some good runs. He had some negative runs. Kind of like he was here. Kind of reminds you of Matt Dumba. And then all of a sudden, ba-boom. And you're talking 70 points for a defenseman. 
you're talking aggressive defense as well out of the guy. Even though he's a little crazy, he is just a spectacular player in this league. And the San Jose Sharks are utterly blessed. One of the most valuable players in the NHL, much less the MVP of the Sharks. Absolutely just a stud. Brent Burns has become... And what a nice young humble guy! What, what a nice, young, what a nice humble guy he was when I met him years ago when he was a rookie. Uh, still a nice guy, I'm sure. The up, but man, it's just mm, he just looks a little bit more weird than he did back then. That's all. Back then he was kind of a young, clean shaven, just just a nice young man. And now he's kind of a little goofy looking. He's in his thirties, if you can believe it, and he's a superstar. Charlie Coyle is not a superstar, but at least he's decent. At least it wasn't a complete bust, a complete wash for the Wild in that trade. So hopefully the Wild can be on the winning end this time around. <laughs> Let's dish out the postseason awards, or the overall regular season awards, I guess, in this sense. For the Wild, the most valuable player of the postseason, i got to go with Zach Parisi. I'll just say that. I'll just say that straight out. The most valuable player for the Wild in the playoffs was Zach Parisi, followed by Jason Zucker. After that, though, the MVP of the regular season, well, you have candidates, Mikhail Granlin, Eric Stahl, and Jared Spurgeon. The winner is going to be Eric Stahl, even though Mikhail Granlund led the team in scoring, and he had spectacular runs and everything, and he was just so valuable. But Eric Stahl is a guy that helped a lot of things happen. Yeah, you were able to put Koivu down on the second line. You were able to move Granlund over to the wing. You were able to move Coyle over to the wing. Uh, it just caused a chain reaction that made this team better and better and better. And he made people around him better at all times. And he lulled goalies to sleep, and he also led the team in goals. Eric Stahl, a leader and a wonderful, wonderful addition to this team. Overall, the MVP of, of the club for this season. The long-term MVP, it's Granlin, without a doubt, unless uh, you want to give it to someone else. But um, Ryan, uh, otherwise, Jared Spurgeon, to me, he's my favorite member of this team, and he is definitely second place, actually. I, I'm going to give it to him because he had inconsistencies out of Granlin at times, as wonderful as he was, and it was such a shame to find out he had a broken bone in his hand and such a disappointing playoffs for him because of that broken bone in his hand. And, and it's just a shame. I'm not mad at him. It just sucks. It's just bad luck. Um, Jonas Brodeen, you saw a nice slap shot during the regular season uh, when he was on the power play. He was able to get some goals. It's a shame he only won up a three. You could have got some more, but at least he got 22 assists along the way when he did get a chance to be on the power play. His value was incredible when uh, Mr. Christian uh, <clears throat> Follin was healthy earlier in the season before the knee injury. When you had those two together, it was awesome. He saw a little offense out of Brodeen. It still wound up with 25 points, but generally more done nondescript offensively because of the different roles he had to play over the course of the season. Um, Jared Spurgeon's value is off the charts. I want him on this team until he retires from this league, without a doubt. I'd rather have Jared Spurgeon than Ryan Studer, without a, without a doubt. Both of them have nice contracts. Suter's a little bit more, I'd have to say. It's kind of funny, though. You think of Suter as an offensive player, Spurgeon as a defensive player, but then again, they're both offensive players at the end of the day. Spurgeon played six less games, and he had only two less points than Ryan Suter. That's interesting when you think about it. Obviously, Suter's a good defensive player, but, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of offensive at the same time. Not a rocket of a shot, but still valuable at the end of the day. Ah. <sighs> If only Dumbo was more consistent, he could be a power play stud. He could be a force in that power play with that rocket shot. And if Dumbo could develop and become that guy, I got a feeling Mr. Bruce Boudreaux really likes the potential of Matt Dumba. But they're going to have to find out what they're going to do with him should he be on the roster next season <laughs> with how things go in the offseason and in the uh, the whole uh, Las Vegas 
trade, uh, the Las Vegas trade or draft. So just letting you know again, I'm piecing this together. I am recording the first segment before. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm recording the first segment before the Vegas draft and the entry draft. So just again, fessing up, being honest, because the season wrap-up doesn't have to be done (laughs) at that stage. And we'll be talking about that in the second segment. We'll be able to review and talk about it and even preview free agency as things move forward. Most liable player for the season, Eric Stahl. The biggest disappointment for the season is, without a doubt, Darcy Kemper. Um, You wanted to have a valuable backup to this club, and he wasn't that guy. He was absolutely horrible. Uh, Mike Riley was really disappointing, too, if you want to go with uh, the whole possibility. See, he's a guy, I didn't, I, I, he was on my mind, and I didn't get to him when I was talking about the wave and everything, because I'm not sure Mike Riley's going to play in the NHL. I mean, a year ago, I would have said in a heartbeat, Mike Riley's going to be a full-time NHL defenseman, and he's going to be very successful in this league. I don't know anymore. 17 games, and he looked like horse bleep. He only had one assist, and he was completely out of position. He was completely outmanned. He stunk at the NHL level this season. And Bruce Boudreaux noticed it right away, and he was not impressed. Um, Devin, uh, but I I have to mention that real quick. Uh, Overall, though, Darcy Kemper did not provide the relief that Devin Dubnik needed. Dubnik's final statistics for the season, still nice. I mean, 40 wins, 19 losses, 2.25 goals against average, .924 save percentage. But then Darcy Kemper gives you what? He gives you what? 18 games, started 17, only 17, you know, because obviously he just had to come in to help replace Dubnik. Dubnik wasn't starting in two of the games that he had to (laughs) come out. (coughs) Excuse me, that, uh, that Kemper had to come out. He had to come in and replace Kemper, because Kemper was so awful, so Dubnik had two games in there. He had to come in and replace Kemper, where in other cases they figure, whatever, I mean, we're down by too much anyway. Why bring Dubnik in or whatever? You know, uh, Kemper just so disappointing. 3.13 goals against average, and it felt like a hell of a lot more at times. Zero shutouts on the season. Dubnik had five. He figured he should have had 11 the way things were going earlier in the year. But unfortunately, the snowball effect continued for Dubnik from February through the rest of the season. Really January on the way, but you really started noticing it in February and into March in a big way. Uh, Awful month of March. Disastrous month of March for the Minnesota Wild. Darcy Kemper again gave Dubnik no relief and the, (laughs) the exhaustion of Devin Dubnik showed as the season continued to progress. Wild hoping Alex Daylock can be the guy next year or somebody to come in, compete, and beat Alex Daylock out of that job to be a legitimate, reliable backup for Devin Dubnik coming forward. I mean, Devin Dubnik is a pretty significant contract. It's not the worst thing ever, but it is long. And I I don't know. um, If Devin Dubnik is going to be a true all-star goalie in this league, a guy who can be consistent and maybe even help you in the postseason, actually win some games in the playoffs rather than be exhausted and all that. Even though he was pretty good against St. Louis, he wasn't good enough. That's all. You know, you have to be better than the other goalie. That, it's that simple. I'm sorry. Uh, if, if Jake Allen is playing out of his mind, Devin Dubnik needs to play out of his mind too. It's just, it is what it is. And it's not blaming Devin Dubnik for the wild loss against St. Louis. It's just... You're hoping he can match the intensity and the greatness of what Jake Allen was able to accomplish. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. And, well, Nashville was fortunate enough to have enough firepower in front of Pekka Rene, and then Rene was able to respond in kind 
And that's why Nashville is able to dispatch St. Louis as easily as they did. It's a combination of things. I'm not trying to contradict myself, but I'm just saying Devin Dubna kept some moments during the course of the season and in the playoffs. You were hoping for a little teeny tiny bit more. Darcy Kemper, I think, is to blame more than anybody else for the goalie troubles on this club. Not only because he stinks, but because he could not al- he could not allow Devin Dubnik a little more rest. You're hoping to have a backup goalie that could maybe be in there 28 to 33 games to expel the starting goalie, especially so the guy could be ready when you need him most going into the playoffs or a game, big game against the Blackhawks on the road or whatever the heck it is. Divisional type of game, you're tied. Maybe you want to make a statement against Washington. This, that, lat. And unfortunately, Kemper wasn't able to give Devin Dubnik a relief against teams like Vancouver and such. He was just horse crap, and they didn't want him out there. So the definitely biggest disappointment, Darcy Kemper. Even though some of you may not have had expectations, you got to have some. I mean, and Darcy Kemper was looked on as a pretty good goalie for quite a while, and it just never happened. It never happened, and I don't know. It's never going to happen here. Maybe he'll emerge somewhere else. Oh, freaking goody, because it always seems to turn out that way. Biggest surprise was Mikhail Granlin. Um, as great a potential he's had over the course of time, you always saw him as a 40-point guy, 51-point guy, that type of person. But then you saw a guy who was capable of scoring 80 points, 75 points. Unfortunately, he wound up with only 69, but still very strong. Uh, he was the biggest surprise for me this season. Nice, nice emergence for Mikhail Grandin. 69 points, just to get the big hand from me to him. So, And also, honorable mentions, uh, Jason Palmonville, nice renaissance for him, 47 points. Not a spectacular season. Doesn't live up to his contract, but still way, way better <laughs> then he showed the last couple of years. So good for Jason Pominville at the end of the day. That's a wrap. That's a season wrap-up. A season that should have had a lot more of a happy ending than it did. I'm not saying cup champion, but maybe closer to it than we sure as hell were. So let's talk about free agency. Let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about the expansion draft. In segment number two. <laughs> Segment number two, time to talk about the expansion draft, the entry draft, and free agency regarding the Minnesota Wild. And, you know, let's talk about the Vegas Knights a tiny bit, just a brief bit here when it regards to the expansion draft and uh, how things turned out. Very interesting. So now we finally know that uh, Matthew Dumba ultimately, well, was left unprotected along with Matthew, Matt Dumba, you get the idea, was left unprotected along with Eric Stahl. That was a smart move because you figured the Vegas Knights wouldn't take Eric Stahl, even though they took some veterans. Uh, The Wild also left uh, Marco Scandella available with that fairly big contract. And, of course, the Wild protect notables and Jason Zucker. Of course, you got to protect Parisi, Suter, Koivu, and Pominville, who did not waive his uh, no-move clause. Why? I don't know. He just didn't. And it's it's the whole thing. Well, you gave it to me, so why should I get rid of it? So that's the whole point of having it. So, I don't know. It just is what it is. Uh, Matt Dumba, Scandella, others, of course, left available. Eric Halla left available, along with others, <laughs> many others along the way. Uh, but before anything, the first trade that took place was Tyler Grayavok 
traded away for a 2018 fifth round pick from the Washington Capitals. So Tyler Gravok gone. So you're going to see some centers depart. You're going to see some young guys leave as well. The Wild negotiate a deal with the Vegas Knights. Of course, this is before the entry draft. Nice jerseys by the Vegas Knights, by the way. I've heard some negative comments about the Knights' uh, new jersey, the, the Golden Knights. Um, I think they're pretty cool. I like them a lot. I, I like the gold, red, black, white, all that. Might look like the Ottawa Senators a tiny bit, which maybe annoys people just a teensy-weensy bit, but not that much. I like the Vegas Golden Knights jerseys, and I wish them good luck in the future. But, okay, the Wild were able to negotiate with the new NHL franchise to sign uh, to not take Matt Dumba, and in which the... They, uh, the Knights would then select Eric Halla and, and sign him to a three-year, $8 million contract. Not too bad. $8.5 million. Not bad for a guy. He's probably a third-line, bottom-six center, but a very good one. Um, bottom-six forward slash center, but a very good one. He'll be missed. He was kind of like the modern West Walls for the Wild, the speed, the defense, but not as good. <laughs> not as accomplished yet as West Walls was um, during his time here. But again, that's that was today's version, so now the Wild will be left with a hole there. The Wild also give the Vegas Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, Alex Tuck, and then the Wild return are able to get a uh, third-round pick from the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights then would get the choice to take the pick, uh, to give us the pick in 2017 or 2018, which again, I'm trying, it's like a tongue twister kind of the way this comes out. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a swap. It's a option 2017, 2018. If the Knights see somebody they'd like to take around that time, they end up keeping the pick this year and giving it to us next year. So it's required that we have it in 2018. So it's official now. The Wild will get 2018. You want to fill up those cupboards a little bit, but well, I don't know. It's a little bit tougher when you go from third to seventh rounders, and you don't have a first round or a second rounder. Chuck Fletcher, some of these mid to late season trades, you know, before the trade deadline, getting expensive, and the most annoying part is the guys we tend to acquire in these trades have not helped us. It's really frustrating. you got the Cody McCormicks, the the uh, Matt Molsons, and Martin Hansel. You know, Martin Hansel was okay, but what do people talk about all the time with the modern NHL? Speed, speed, speed. Speed. Oh, and skill, too. Martin Hansel has some skill, but he's got no speed. He's physical. He's solid. And I know you love him out there, uh, Pavel. I know you love him, Pavel, and, and others out there. I don't mean to, to rip on him, but I I don't know. It just wasn't a very good trade. And obviously, very expensive. You lose your number one pick for the year. It's frustrating. It's not the highest pick in the world, but you need him. You need every pick he can get. I mean, look at Alex Tuck. Was he the highest pick in the world? And he's going to turn out to be a pretty good player, looks like. Well, Alex Tuck. But, I mean, also, uh, what I'm trying to say is Luke Cunning, who I, I, I think is going to be the best of the bunch. At least right now, possibly Kirill Kaprizov out of Russia, the Wild three-peat in the entry draft as we're kind of slowly sliding into that. But Alex Tuck, again, will be going to the Vegas Knights along with Eric Halla. Good luck to those guys. Nice uh, picks. We'll look at the Vegas Knights now first before we look at the entry draft. Again, not going to really rant and rave too much about the uh, entry draft regarding the Wild because, well, you know, it's just swinging for the fences. So yes, Eric Halla uh, among the group. Other notables, Timo Polkinen. That's an interesting one. I, I can't believe it. Timo Polkinen. Now, it's one thing it's understandable that he was made available because that's the kind of guy that's going to be available. Like like Weber with the uh, the Wild, a guy we never really saw all season. 
Of course, he's going to be left available. You know, like a Thomas Vanek would be left available from Detroit. Guys like that. James Neal, if I hadn't mentioned him already, definitely a notable. Alex Tuck, I've said that a thousand times. Jake Bischoff, who played with the Gophers. How about that? He is he is on his way to the Vegas Knights, at least an opportunity there. Nate Schmidt, that's a name out there from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Clayton Stoner. Clayton Stoner, taken from the Anaheim Ducks over to the Vegas Knights. Definitely a chance for him to be like Lashawn O'Donnell for that club. Because, you know, I mean, there's some there's some names and some guys, you know, just uh, there's some names and some not so much going on. And, of course, Marc-Andre Mark Fleury with his huge contract going to the Vegas Knights. To be expected, he is the quote-unquote face of the franchise at the moment. Calvin Pickard, Calvin Pickard, you want to say Picard like Jean-Luc Picard, but I guess it is Pickard, like Q would say when he's making fun of uh, Jean-Luc Picard. He is on his way to, uh, yes, I like Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, nothing after that, though. The hell with all that. Ah, nothing after Next Gen. Okay, anyhow, nice goalie duo for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's nice. Uh, the rest of the lineup, well, I mean, you get some gems here. Some, you never know. There might be a West Walls, a Jim Dowd mixed in with some of the... Uh, other super notables, like again, like James Neal. I mean, the uh, the runners up for the uh, Nashville Predators. Unfortunately, uh, James Neal's had some nice success over his career. You've had other guys, you know, Cody Eakin out of Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba. He's from there, and all that. Um, Connor Brinkley, uh, David Perron, David Perron from St. Louis. That's a good one. Uh, this, chance, this, this team has a shot to do something, but they're, they're not going to be that great. I mean, again, there's notables, and then there's the typical what you expect. A team of Polkinen is the kind of guy who would have been picked by the Wild or the Columbus Blue Jackets back in 2000, or the Anaheim, excuse me, the Atlanta, Fel- the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Thrashers. I wish they were the Flames, but the Thrashers. Just bring the Flames back, damn it. But, yeah, good luck with that. What am I talking about, right? <laughs> Timo Polkinen, though, he's the classic expansion guy who, you know, barely... He's a fringe player, and this is an opportunity for him, so good luck, Timo Polkinen. So good luck again to the Vegas Knights. I won't go on and on and on. I keep calling them the Vegas Knights, but it's the Vegas Golden Knights. I just kind of go with the abbreviation because I'm, I don't know what, I don't know what my problem is. It just is what it is. The entry draft. Well, nothing's particularly easy to pronounce, but some of them are. Obviously, Mason, Mason Shaw is an easy one to say. Uh, skilled guy, only five foot eight, only five foot eight. Medicine Hat Tigers, Medicine Hat Tigers, that's his, the WHL. That's the fourth round pick for the Wild, 97th overall, 85th overall over uh, in this one, though. He's the top guy in our draft, third round. I mean, wow, wow. A couple of years ago, we went up with Gustav Olsson because we didn't have a first round pick. Thanks to the Jason Tominville trade. And that one was okay. But then the contract that ensued after that. Not the best situation ever. The Wild, last season, just to, just to kind of backtrack here, they had a number one pick, 15th overall Luke Cunning, like we are going to say. And then you didn't have a second or a third round pick. Only four players taken by the Wild last season. Only two of them notables at the moment. Brandon Duhame, we'll, we'll see what happens out of Tri-City at the time. Um, a couple of the other current wild draft picks. Now again, yeah, uh, Brandon Duhame over to uh, Providence College. That's Providence. They won the national championship just a couple of years ago. Um, he's a he's a, he's a left winger and only twelve points in thirty five games in his first season over there in the hockey. He's Providence College, so not a good start for him. That was the fourth round pick for the wild last year. Dmitry Sokolov, the real major notable, though I'd have to say, 
Whereas Braden Scheisen, yeah, Scheisen, that sounds kind of funny. I'm, I hope I'm saying that wrong because that doesn't sound good. Scheisen, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> we know what that means in German. That was mean, and I apologize. I'm Shizen. Let's just go with Shizen. Maybe I shouldn't call him that. But so far, his numbers have been Shizen. Um, but uh, Dmitry Sokolov, definitely a notable, did really well in the OHL, came to the AHL for the Iowa Wild last year. And, you know, he got a goal in the two games he played in. Very brief final season wrap-up. So we'll let that thing go as is. Still no commitment for Jordan Greenway necessarily either way. That's another conversation as we continue to move forward into the summer. 2015 entry draft, second round, 50th overall. So Ivan Lodnia, Ivan Lodnia from the Erie Otters, the Erie Otters of the OHL, the OHL, Again, the Wild swinging for the fences in this thing, and that's pretty much what Doug Reisbrow said. Is the Wild looking more, not looking for overall physical guys. They're looking for skill and taking a chance because these guys slipped because of their, well, they're kind of small. I mean, this guy's five foot ten. He's only 17 years old, by the way, out of Novi, Michigan. Novi, Michigan. The Erie Otters. We'll see. Um, so far, he's only played one year in the OHL. Extremely young. 56 points, though for the Erie Otters, 24 goals and 32 assists. Not bad. He's a right winger for the Erie Otters. Um, Again, very small, 5'10", 182 pounds. Again, just swinging for the fences because, and I keep saying that over and over again, looking for that overall skill and speed. Skill and speed, regardless if they're only, you know, 5'10", instead of 6'2", which which is what you'd like. See speed and size and skill, all the above. And hoping that one or more of these guys ends up jumping up again. Mason Shaw, I mentioned just a minute ago, he's a center. Fourth round pick for the Wild. Five foot eight, one eighty, kind of a tough little short guy, but he plays with all this heart. You, you know, that's what they always talk about, and it is what it is. In the WHL, uh, a year ago with the Medicine at Tigers, ninety four points, twenty seven goals, sixty seven assists, and he racked up the penalty minutes a bit the past couple of years, seventy two penalty minutes a year ago and fifty seven penalty minutes this previous year. Not bad. So again, a physical kind of a you know he's physical in a sense of like he he's gritty, all that good stuff. You're gonna hear that all the time. Bryce Misley, kind of an exciting one going in, as he'll be heading into the college ranks. As we continue to look at these guys, he's one of the uh, he's one of the few larger guys. He actually got to be six one one eighty five, and ultimately. He will be headed to the University of Vermont, so that's nice. The Hockey East, just like Providence. So we'll be able to keep track of him that way. That's always fun. It makes it a little bit easier, I suppose. And, well, you know, college, I would say it's in between OHL. It's it's higher than the OHL because, you know, it's tougher. You're not going to be in the OHL and just, you know, go in your... be as good as you are in college. I mean, you're going to you're going to do better. Excuse me, you're going to do better in the OHL than you are in college. So, that's kind of a given. And then the only the only <laughs> defenseman taken, the Wild did not take a goalie because there's plenty of goalies in the system. I mean, hopefully one of them comes up, Kaipo Kochanen, Alex Stesna, Stezka and others out there. Kaipo Kochanen, you got to like that name. <laughs> Jacob Golden, will he be golden ultimately for the Wild out of the London he's a part of the London Knights. Got to love that one. Cool-looking logo and all that. Um, only two assists in 38 games. Yeah, a little stay at home with that one, huh? <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Another youngster, absolutely born in 19... 
99 out of Toronto, Ontario. Wow, that's the big city there when it comes to, uh, yeah, when it comes to Canada. That's as big as, I mean, that's one of the most familiar cities you're ever going to see. Kind of cool, kind of cool. So, yeah, we'll just let him continue to develop there in the the juniors right now with OHL's London Knights. Jacob Golden, a guy to keep track of, I suppose, over the course of time. And there it is, the three-peats. As the Wild went with Kirill Kaprizov two years ago, uh, Dmitry Sokolov last year, and now Andrei Svetlakov. Andrei Svetlakov. This one's a little bit older. He's the oldest guy in the draft here. Now, I better say where everybody was taken here. How rude of me, right? Isn't that just terrible? Okay, Ivan Ladnia, sorry. <laughs> 85th overall, third round, fourth fourth round, 97th overall for Mason Shaw. Bryce Misley, fourth round, 116th overall. Jacob Golden, fifth round, like uh, Carson Soucy, who has a shot at making the wild. You never know. At least he'll be in Iowa next year at bare minimum to develop 147th overall. Andrei Svetlakov, sixth round, 178. Nick Sweeney out of Lakeville. Yet another Lakeville product, just like Jack Sadik. Uh, just very recently here, a couple couple years back, 2015 seventh rounder, Nick Sweeney, 209 overall. Let's talk about Andrei Svetlakov a little bit. A couple years older, about three, four years older than the rest of the guys. 21 years old, born in 96. He's an old timer now. Oh, he's so old, right? 600, or excuse me, what am I talking about? Six foot, 202 pounds. A little bit larger guy. Lots of skill, and you hope that you can get him here. That would be great. Now, of course, the European stats always look a lot lower than they would in juniors because it's really tough over there. Just, it's tough as hell, tough as net, nuts. The KHL, 30 games two year, uh, a year and a half ago, 37 games last year, 16 points last year, four goals, 12 assists. He got seven goals the previous year, though. Interesting, but only three assists. Uh, a couple penalty minutes. We'll see. While taking a chance. Yeah, it's nice to bring in another Russian. They always seem to drop because the fear is that they're not going to come. That's the big fear coming in. Now you bring in Nick Sweeney. Nick Sweeney out of Lakeville. He will be playing for the Duluth, the Duluth Bulldogs. Isn't that exciting? The national runners-up, unfortunately for them. Yeah, it is what it is. It's unfortunate, but he will be going to the Duluth Bulldogs. Pardon me. <clears throat> Lakeville, Minnesota, just like Jack Sadik. This one's a right winger, born in 97. He's 19 years old, so a tiny bit older. The USHL, the USHL, 51 points recently, 26 goals 25 assists, very cool. 30 goals, 20 assists the year before. So putting up numbers down in the juniors, these these lower end. So you can't get too excited about that. But still, at the same time, we'll get to keep track of him with the Duluth Bulldogs. And we'll see him play against the Gophers, our beloved Gophers. Though not everybody listening is a Gopher fan. They might be Blue Dog fans. So the Jim Maddills, Sarah Maddills, and others out there in Duluth, enjoy. Nick Sweeney, hopefully he can develop nicely as the Wild uh, enjoying a little <laughs> a little hope there with the Blue Duluth Bulldogs the past couple of years, Carson Soucy, Avery Peterson, respectively, in the 2013 draft. So there it is. Six players to add to the the cupboards in the Wild system. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, again, again, they're just hoping for the best here, taking guys with a lot of skill that may be underrated a bit because they're smaller or this or that. And it is what it is. I mean, you're not taking anybody that's a that's a major familiar name unless they're local. Uh, you know, Nick Swainy, we've heard of him a little bit. Not the biggest name ever, but at least you're going to hear his name on occasion. Lakeville's had some success, some significant success the past few years. And, of course, Neil Nate Dog Thiesting had to be, happened to be a part of uh, Lakeville many years ago, class of 
2003, respectively, in his case. Back in the good old days, right? And I'm a lot older than that. I'm class of 98 <laughs> from the Hopkins Royals. But, oh, goody, I'm just royal, man. It's just royalty. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Hopefully the Wild can can uh, hit that dartboard, hit the bullseye on one of these guys. Maybe two of them end up making it to the NHL. Maybe three of them. Yeah, you never know. I mean, good things happen. I have more faith in... Um, Chuck Fletcher than I do in Doug Risebrow. I hope I didn't just say Risebrow's name. For some reason, I think I did. And I don't know. It's like when I'm sitting here talking to you and I start uh, thinking. <laughs> I start thinking faster or talking faster than I'm thinking and then that comes out. So hopefully, I'm not sure. But uh, Chuck Fletcher, I think you know who the current GM is. Doug Risebrow, I mean, he'd be throwing darts in the wrong direction. I mean, he wouldn't even be attempting to hit the bullseye and it drove you nuts. You look at his draft record. It is disgusting, though. A couple of hits, once in a blue moon. Not enough, though. That's for damn sure. As now we head into the off season. <sighs> what do we do with free agency? Obviously, the draft, not the most exciting thing, but ho- hopefully one day, as I continue to blab about that. Oh, boy. Well, talk was the Wilds will be trading a defenseman. So you protect Dumba and Scandella, or even Brodeen. Well, you don't protect Dumba and Scandella, but you you protect them ultimately with that trade and the uh, getting the negotiations to keep the Golden Knights from uh, picking up one of those guys, Dumba, Scandella, and of course, officially protecting Brodine. Talk of the uh, possible trades to Montreal, Boston Bruins, and it all vanished. It all just vanished. Um, some people thought the Wild would still trade Matt Dumba, though talk is a guy like that, the skill set and the fact he has a right-hand shot, it's not that common, and his shot, his overall shot is a power play menace. I mean, it's something the Wild have needed for so long is that, that powerful shot from the power play when Mike Yo would never put him on the power play, maybe once in a blue moon, and they just count on Ryan Suter's much lesser of a shot. Uh, it's the mistakes people always fear with Matt Dumba. But like Brent Burns, and I'm not comparing him to Brent Burns because you really can't, and he probably will never be that good, but... Again, like Brent Burns, you, you don't want to just give up on a talent like that. And luckily, the Wild have not yet. The talk is Brodine or Scandella. Most likely, Scandella would be traded, and possibly Dumba if they're throwing if they're throwing like some type of crazy, beautiful offer. Um, we'll just have to wait and see with that one, though. Um, the trade didn't happen. A lot of us thought it was going to happen over this draft weekend, and it didn't. So that's quite unfortunate. Um, the math doesn't add up right now. The Wild are 13 under the cap, and a very strong possibility 10 million of that would have to go to Nino Niederreiter and Mikhail Granlund. So does somebody get traded, or do you get rid of one of those? Do you not sign one of those two guys? Do you really take a hit like that and get no compensation in return? Does Charlie Coyle get traded? That's still a possibility, because maybe you don't want to lose your defenseman. And if you do lose your defenseman, you got Gustav Olofsson, which, again, I'm a little bit... Uh, pissed off about that draft a couple of years ago because Gustav Olsen went in the second round and a guy by the name of Jake Gensel went in the third round. So, yeah, congratulations, Pittsburgh, there. Mm, Curtis Gabriel, what a stud. Man, I'm just so happy the Wild got Curtis Gabriel with that 81st pick. Aren't you happy? Are you happy? Because I'm not happy. In fact, it just pisses me off, you know, beyond human recognition, you know. It just kind of does, you know, like a... It's just great. Like, it's wonderful. Of course, Gensel won a few picks ahead, but still, 
That's a wonderful substitute, though. I mean, it's just a great, you know, it, you know, the the talent level and the production from those two guys, you know, it's you know, it's interchangeable. Couldn't couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, couldn't tell the difference. You know, I mean, there's always a chance. Yeah, well, no, he's not even in the system anymore, right? I don't know. It just sucks. But that's life, right? That's that's the hockey draft. I mean. <laughs> Hopefully the goose guts Gustav Olsen can step it up a little bit. That'd be nice, you know. I mean, he showed some moments early on. He looked unflappable at times, and the next thing you know, he's just wrong place, wrong time. I mean, he just was out of position. But that pales in comparison to what what Mike Riley looked like last year. I mean, he looked like he didn't even belong. I mean, he looked like he belonged in the in the ECHL last year at times, even though he stepped up a bit in the AHL Iowa Wild. The Wild also, by the way, I should mention, have a new ECHL affiliate. No longer going to be affiliated with the Quad City Mallards. It's going to be the Rapid City Rush. Cool. Cool name. You got the Mount Rushmore look and the rod. They're called the Rush, and it's just cool. And maybe you'll get some more. Maybe you'll get a little bit more of a Wild fan base there because I got to think Quad City's kind of more Chicago Blackhawks-ish over there. South Dakota, you're going to get some. You're going to get some. Uh, Maybe, maybe some Vancouver fans. I, I hope not. Colorado Avalanche fans is a pretty good chance. But uh, I don't know. I, I, usually the, the Dakotas like Minnesota teams. We'll see. So, cool. Rapid City Rush. Welcome aboard ECHL's Rapid City Rush. Gustav Olsen won't be playing there, that's for sure. But maybe some of the other later round draft picks when they come at our level at some point will be there. Uh I don't know. Let's look at the let's look at free agency a little bit. The situation again. The math doesn't add up so well. Michael Russo has been talking about that off and on all week, and I understand that's the Star Tribune beat writer and columnist for the Minnesota Wild. He is is he is he he's the best in the business. I mean that guy is. He doesn't know me, and he doesn't care what I say. I'm sure, but he he's he's awesome. You know, <laughs> I'm an ant compared to that guy. Obviously, uh, you know, there's other beat writers in this town and in other places. You, you listen to them, and it's like, you get the the feeling almost like they're doing the paper a favor. Like, they'd rather be doing a different team, a different sport. I won't say who. I, I could name a name, but I won't say who. At least one. But this guy legitimately adores what he does. Michael Russo. So, uh, you know, props out to him. And, uh, you know, he's always in the right place, right time. And I think that's really cool. Awesome. Um, let's look at free agency. Even though I'm not really even confident of what the Wild are going to be looking at. Other than a goalie to compete with Alex Stalock, that's a given. Uh, Jonathan Bernier, he commands a lot of money. He had a cap hit last year of $4.1 million. You could add a five after the one, $4.15 million. Only 28 years old. Uh, he won 21 games last year for Anaheim. 2.5 goals against average. Nothing spectacular, but he filled in nicely on occasion. Uh, seems like a lot of these free agents are awfully old. Uh, Mike Ribeiro, I know, too old. I mean, like, they're all ancient. Martin Hansel's only 30. And they, he was paid $3.1 million last year. He, some say he's going to want even more. It seems like it should be more than that. That was his cap hit last year. It seems like it was higher than that. Sometimes I question what I'm looking at here, if this is even right. But I, I guess it is. And $3.1 million in the NHL is a hell of a lot higher than in other sports. Uh, Joe Thornton's available. He's a UFA. He's 37. He's probably going to stay with the Sharks or leave. Same with uh, Patrick Marlowe. Those are two of the highest paid guys. Ryan Miller, I wouldn't even touch. He's 36. He's ancient. Not that good. 
Patrick Sharp's already 35. Would be a nice addition at a very cheap price if you want to bring in a veteran left winger. I don't know. I'd rather get rid of Chris Stewart and have a Patrick Sharp, quite frankly. But I don't know what the Wild are thinking at this stage. Obviously, Patrick Sharp, very expensive in his past. i got to think he's more willing to come down from that just a little bit. <sighs> what happened to this guy, anyway? Pavlich, he was so good with Winnipeg not too long ago, but he kind of, kind of got bit by the injury bug. Paid about $4 million, 3.9 a year. Uh, excuse me, 3.9 last year. Only got, only got to be in uh, eight games for the Winnipeg Jets. And pretty yucky numbers. Shane Doan's 40 years old. Wouldn't even touch him with a... Man, everybody, look at this. Chris Kunitz, 37 years old. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? <laughs> These guys are all ancient. Ancient. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk from Washington. He's probably too expensive. That would be an amazing addition, but I don't think the Wild are going that way. We're pretty good at defensemen at this stage, and I think we'll hang on where we are. Obviously, Yammer Yager is 45. I don't think the Wild are going that way. I don't know, man. I mean, geez, it's like everybody got old. Jeez, every free agent. And, of course, that's how hockey is. It takes a while to get to be a free agent. A name you might look at possibly as a free agent, though I'm sure the Wild won't. But at least a competition to come in, compete with Alex Day. Like, at least a name to talk about. Throw a dart at the wall. See what happens. Brian Elliott, two and a half million last year. He started well with Calgary and then went downhill. Kind of got back, kind of started doing better again and then downhill again. I, I, I don't know. Inconsistent. But such is the life of the backup goalie. I like it more than Darcy Kemper. Brian Boyle, I would love to have him as our fourth line center. But I doubt it's going to happen. Sounds like he wants to go uh, back to Tampa. We'll, we'll see what happens, though. Sounds like he wants to go back to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Don't be surprised if that happens. Nick Bonino, that would be pretty cool, but I doubt it. 29 years old, 37 points with the Pittsburgh Penguins last year. That would be amazing. Uh, Chad Johnson's a possibility. That goalie, you know, th- that's a guy the Wild might be looking at. A 31-year-old, that, that, that's a possibility. You know, he's not going to demand as much money. I'd look at him. He's making, uh, what, 150000 more than Darcy Kemper. At least that was his hit, cap hit, between the past two years. Kemper versus uh, Chad Johnson. That's one I would look at, actually, if you want to bring in a guy who's had some success at the NHL level. That's a guy I'd look at. Uh, Cody McCormick, no. Obviously, he didn't even play last year. It's just a cap hit for <laughs> Buffalo. Oh, Lord. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Some of these guys, they just kind of vanish out of the face of the earth or just keep getting older and older like the rest of us, I suppose. Read him verbata, verbata, 36 years old for the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think the Wild will be looking at him. Obviously, Matt Collin, there's talk that the Wild may try to desperately attack. Please, please come. Please don't retire. Come, come to us for one year. Be our fourth line center. I'm doubting that's going to happen. Dominic Moore, former Wild long ago, a galaxy far away. Yeah, 36 years old as well, just the age, man. And, of course, Matt Cullen, 40 years old, back-to-back Stanley Cups. You can't really go out on a better note than that. I mean, amazing career and major props out to Matt Cullen. Um, I don't really have any major... <laughs> I think if we're looking at more of a trade, I think, if the Wild want to majorly get better... Um, Tyler Pitlick out of Edmonton. That's a possible fourth liner. He's only 25 years old. He had 11 points in 31 games. I mean, that's somebody you bring in and 
have him try out and see if he can make it, all that. That would be kind of cool. Uh, you know, that, that's a name to talk about at the at a bare minimum. And Roth might be another one to come in and compete at the goalie position. Jonas Onroth, I don't know. Uh, and, and Roth, Chad Johnson, those are names I'd be t- talking about if it was up to me, ultimately, when it comes to competing. See, it's free agency. These guys are all ancient. If the Wild are going to make a significant move, I think it's through a a trade. And, man, Fletcher has had a lot of yucky trades. Yucky. And that's the frustrating part coming in. I mean, he's had so many trades that don't work out. So, I don't know. That's why a lot of people on the uh, the, uh, (laughs) Minnesota Wild Hardcore would like to see Fletcher uh, pack his bags and head out of St. Paul, but I don't know. I'm um, Johnny Oduya. That'd be a nice veteran defenseman to bring in. How much is he going to command, though? I mean, he is a stay-at-home stud. He went back home to Chicago, back home, so to speak. That was the team he was at and won a cup with. Went back there. They did not win the Stanley Cup. That was in a, again around the trade deadline. He's 35 already, but he's one of those defensemen. He doesn't rely on speed and quickness. He might play till he's 42 years old. I would not mind Johnny Oduya, Johnny and John Oduya coming to the Wild in some type of reasonable contract. He made almost $4 million recently, though, unfortunately. So, I don't know. I don't know what the Wild have. I, I think they're going to have to figure something out, some type of trade here, before they can even get, uh, before they can even really get to business in free agency. I mean, they're going to bring some, some players in. You can't just put all young guys at the fourth line as you're waving goodbye to Halla. Again, Tuck will not be on that fourth or third line or second line. Certainly not the second line, but he won't be here at all. Euler um, Zanek, I think, almost for sure is going to be on the Wild next year. He may end up being the third uh, third line center because you have no third line center. You have no fourth line center. Eric Stahl, will he come back next year and... Will he be at the? Will he play at the same level? Will he continue his renaissance, or was last year just a one-year renaissance and he goes back downhill? Because if he does, this team is screwed. And I, I really hate saying that without some type of amazing move, or some type of unseen hero that can save this franchise. And that's why the last episode of Brave the Wild, again, this being State of the Wild, that's why the last, the, the name of the last episode was the Need of a Hero, because this team needs somebody to take over. They need a true star to take over. Like if Charlie Coyle one, all of a sudden becomes a 40-goal guy, just takes off as a 35-40 goal guy, and he's just unbelievable, 80 points. The odds of that happening, very slim. It's all about the next wave, I think. I, I think the young guys, I think the the wave that came in right after Parisi and Suter, or right as Parisi and Suter came in, you know, the Granlins, Niederreiter, Coyle, I think they kind of are what they are. Luckily, Granlin emerged last year, but he still, to me, is not that franchise-changing player. He's a wonderful piece that you do not want to lose. But, unfortunately, you're going to have to give him a pretty pretty nice contract. Should the Wild give up Niederreiter? Should they trade him? Should the Wild trade uh, Charlie Coyle away? I, the, uh, a lot of people would like to see that happen, actually. Um, Pat Micheletti believes that Charlie Coyle will be traded this summer. He, that's just his opinion. It's possible. Um, the frustration's out there, but are the takers looking at Charlie Coyle the same way we are, with with, with skepticism? Because if they are, we're going to have a hell of a time trading him and getting a decent amount of value in return. So there's so many conversations out there, and that's one of the reasons probably this last weekend was so frustrating because the Wild did not get the kind of offer they wanted for a Brodeen, for a Dumba, for a Scandella, and the odds are it was Scandella that they were putting out there on the table, and they did not get the offer they wanted. 
you get you hear talks about Grilcha, uh, Grilly, I can't even say his name again right now for uh, Montreal. He has character issues. Um, would be a nice addition if he can keep his head on straight. Yeah, step on from uh, Stefan from uh, New York, the New York Rangers. That is too expensive. Six million dollar cap hit. I don't think so. That's too expensive. That's just a mistake. I think he's a good player, but he's not that good. You know, Derek Stefan. I, I don't think so. Um, so again, I mean, it's kind of where you're at right now. That wouldn't make cap sense to make that move. You have to. It's a combination of what's you know. Does this player make us better? And then you got to look at the salary cap. Would it even make sense? So it's it's tough when you when you have a TV contract that's not paying you the amount you need to jump that salary cap up. Like the NBA got real lucky with that one. The NHL's not having that same luck. And guys making five point nine million dollars are a massive cap hit. Where in the in the NBA, you might be the twelfth man making five point nine million dollars. Is isn't that crazy? That'd be like a that'd be like Nate Prosser. He'd be making six million dollars in the NBA, like if, as, as an equivalent, like a guy who's like a fringe, you know, like a seventh defenseman, that kind of guy. That's basically what Nate Prosser is. So he's the equivalent of what the twelfth man pretty much would be in the NBA. Um, it's not going to be easy, boy, to make the uh, right moves here. Um, you only can hope for the best. You really can. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, it's more likely going to be a trade than free agency. Um, some of those other guys, those really low-end guys, would have been nice to get Brian Boyle, but again, the talk is he's going right back to uh, Tampa Bay, and that sucks. That would be wonderful to have him. Again, John Oduya would be a nice defenseman to bring in, but I don't know. I don't know if you can get him at a reasonable price. He might might want $4 million again, so what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do, honestly? Um, so, that's the hope. The hope is, again, Eric Stahl can at least kind of do it again, have another good renaissance year. Uh, Zach Parisi needs a renaissance in the worst way. Uh, Koivu was not was was casted correctly last year. He was in the perfect cast last year as the number two center, uh, second line center. He did a wonderful job there at that position. He's not supposed to be a top center. He, he, I mean, and just because you're the captain of the team doesn't mean you're a top-line guy. Sometimes you're a third-line center or a, thir- or a second or third defenseman, second or third-pairing defenseman. It's, it's leadership, not necessarily the best player on the team. Um, sometimes it's just that tough, gritty guy. And Parisi had, or excuse me, Parisi's gritty, sure. Uh, Quavo's gritty. He, he provides uh, really nice playmaking skills and some nice timely goals as well. But and with those wonderful one-timers earlier in the year that seemed to vanish on the face of the earth because the chemistry and other teams figuring out how to stop them, it's just a combination of things. I mean, teams are going to watch film. They're going to see tendencies, and they're going to catch up with you, and that's what happened with that Wilds line that was so good last year. Koivu, uh, Zucker, and Granlin. That was the best line in the NHL for so long, and then it's just, boop, gone. That's how it goes. Um, but Koivu's going to have a hell of a time if, if uh, Eric Stahl drops off in a big way, and there's no young hero that can replace what Eric Stahl brought last year, and maybe even be better. If you're going to be the hero and the savior of this team, you're going to have to be a lot better than Eric Stahl was last year. As good as Stahl was, (laughs) you're going to have to be higher. You're going to have to be what Eric Stahl used to be with Carolina long ago in a galaxy far away. That's what this team needs, a hero, a star. This team needs a star, a sniper, an 80-point-and-up kind of guy. Does that player exist? I have no idea. I wish they did. Does that player exist on this team, in this system? 
I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's Kirill Kaprizov. But again, uh, you know, I mean, that's all a wait-and-see thing. Will he even ever show up here in the United States? Very hard to say. So <laughs> I hate to leave you with more questions than answers, but that's exactly where the wild are right now. I'm giving you the true. St- I'm giving you the full story here. More questions than answers. I mean, I'm just leaving you with a lot of. <laughs> I'm just leaving you with your fingers st- stuck together in a web, and I'm 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 sorry, you know, and 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 all your thoughts and and such coming into this one, but it's what it is. Uh, Jordan Schrader also on his way out. I should mention in a pretty nondescript move. A guy, an ECHL player. I mean, Jordan Schrader's at least played in the NHL. And the Wild bring in an ECHL guy. Um, Okay. Dante Salaturo. Cool name. Very cool. But, again, ECHL. But at least he's 20 years old. So that's the thing. He's, He's only 20 years old. So, still time. Undrafted free agent. Played for the... Uh, where where is he? What was it again? I, it was right. I had it at one point. Oh, that's right. It wasn't. It wasn't just the ECHLs, the OHL. He's been all over the place, and even the AHL, the Cleveland Monsters, last year, kind of all over the place. Five games in the AHL, seven games in the ECHL, and then mostly OHL again with the London Knights. So, not spectacular numbers so far. Twenty-two points in thirty games with the London Knights. And then just one point with Cleveland, one point, or, yeah, what the heck, two points with the Norfolk Admirals and only two games with the Cincinnati Cyclones of the ECHL. So kind of all over the place, unfortunately, much more of a uh, a very minor league player at this stage out of Willow, Willowdale, Ontario. 20 years old, though, 5'9", another 5'9 guy traded away. Um Jordan Schrader's about 5'9 as well. 37 games for the Wild. His best uh, his best season so far in the NHL. 13 points in 37 games. But Jordan Schrader's still kind of a fringe minor leaguer, unfortunately for him. And he's now 26 years old. The former Gopher, former Vancouver Canuck, and now former Wild player. Schrader, also gone. A guy who's played center before. Schrader, Halla, Grayavuk, and Tuck, all gone. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who fits in in that fourth line, who the Wild acquire, or will it be mostly young guys? One other notable, notable before I just kind of wrap things up, looking at some fan interaction here, is Brandon Saad. Evil Otto is going back to the Chicago Blackhawks. How crazy is that? And Timmy Panarin is on his way back to the Columbus Blue Jackets. What the hell? So it's basically Kane and Taves saying, hey, we had so much success with Brandon Saad, bring our boy back home. You know what? Screw it. Just bring him back. Bring Evil Auto back. We'll, we'll get a little bit of that cockiness back here. And then uh, <laughs> we can be the Blackhawks again. We can win the Stanley Cup again. Because, well, they haven't won a Stanley Cup without Brandon Side. That's for damn sure. And there it is. Uh, Anton Forsberg also coming back to Chicago. Congrat- or coming to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and a 2018 draft pick. So Brandon Saad, Evil Otto, you'll be hearing more about that again. Evil Otto was a smiley face character in the arcade game Berserk. Some of you are too young to remember that. Some of you are old enough, and some of you just don't give a crap. But it's because he, he had this—he has this 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 fiendish grin all the time. So it's like the smiley face character. He's a really tough bad guy in Berserk. He, in fact, he kicks your ass every time he comes out. He just comes out literally to kill you in a couple of seconds in Berserk, a pretty fun arcade game that, yeah, 
you should check it out sometime. And it's also available for Atari and then Atari 5200 along with the 2600, all that good stuff. Okay, Brandon Sod is Evil Otto. <laughs> Point made. He's Evil Otto, yep. <laughs> so, yep, there was the trade and all that. I put that on the Facebook page, didn't get interaction with that one. And now the machine isn't interacting with me and we're getting the blank screen. Don't you just love the blank screen? It just makes you feel so good on the inside. Because I know there's reactions in here in some places. Um, the Wild also getting the New Jersey. The New Jersey has been released. Yes, sir. Rapid City Rush. Brent Jacobson liked it. What did he say? Oh, nope. That was a, yep. I was saying they officially replaced the Quad City Mallards. He loved that. Uh, big decision about Niederreiter, stuff like that. Greyavok. Trying to see if there's anything else. Okay, yes. I need to talk with you guys out there with the MVP. Uh, Faith Ranitsky. Hopefully she's a listener. Faith Ranitsky. She says, my 10-year-old would say Darcy Kemper would be her big disappointment. She loves that guy. But she said every time he played, he didn't play as he should. Well, that's interesting. She must really watch hockey closely. Faith, that's cool. Uh, he would always mess up or do some stupid mistakes, she says. Yep, and that's exactly right. Boy, you you know your hockey. <laughs> the, the the 10-year-old, yeah. The, your 10-year-old really knows hockey, Faith says. And I was asking her who's the MVP. She says, maybe Grayland because I always stepped up. Um, didn't hear from Benny Allen. If you're out there, Benny, in Australia, please, uh, Give me, uh, it's actually Daniel Allen. I'm sorry. And I get it mixed up because he had two, uh, he usually posts as Benny Allen on here. But, um, yeah, if you could please post your MVP, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, that'd be greatly appreciated. And it's always debated back and forth. Uh, Scott Stevens is mentioned also. Um, Scott Stevens is gone as well. That's unfortunate. Big time. Um, Neil Natog Thiesing. He got on here and he said, hey, friends, Nate Dog is home. That's kind of funny. I, I, I miss him. I miss Nate Dog. Uh, keeps sliding up here. So, yes, we got the New Jersey. Let's see the comments. Yeah, we got that blue, or blue. You got the wheat stripe in the middle and then a little red stripe inside of the, uh, the wheat stripe on the upper portion of it. Looks cool. I think it's nice in the New Jersey. Benny Allen says, I'm a fan. Sebastian Barton says, why? Why the bleep do we bleep up our jerseys? People liked our greens and whites. Well, it happens, man. Look at you. This is Sebastian, of course. Sebastian Balls. He says, yeah, but they didn't force us to change our roads. Hmm, interesting. Hashtag stupid. I don't know either. I don't know either. And, of course, the original six teams didn't change Jack Bleep. So, I don't know. I think they're okay. They look fine. I, I'm, You know what? I like having the crest rather than just Minnesota on the greens. The greens were not bad, but they were not interesting. I don't know. It's kind of all an opinion thing. Um, I was saying Odumba stays. Hala and Tuck knighted in Vegas. They were knighted. And Steve Mundor says, you'll be missed, being Eric Hala. And I said, for sure. Yep, so that's kind of all she said there. Check to see if there's any visitor posts. Brent Jacobson, yep, posting all these names out there. Oh, he was talking about who's going to be available and such. Yep, uh, it was the. Uh, I was saying, who do you think will be? A, who do you think Vegas will take? It ultimately was Eric Halla. I had a feeling it was going to be Dumba, and I was saying that. And Brent Jacobson says maybe Folin or Stahl. Well, Stahl was made available. Folin, he was not going to be taken. But many years ago, Folin would have been exactly the kind of player that would have been taken. He would have been a pretty solid. You know, he's a pretty solid defense, and when he's freaking healthy, which is I don't know, he would have been the exact type of guy that would have been taken by a expansion team years ago. In fact, he could have been taken here, but there were 
bigger names available because of the situation. Um, and Brad Jacobson was saying, too bad Pom- Pominville wouldn't waive his no-trade clause. He's a bum, and I agree. That was very frustrating. But I guess his take was that uh, Mr. That uh, Mr. Fletcher put that in Pominville's contract, so if it's there, it's there. You know, that type of thing. He just said, honor the deal. That's basically the thought process of Pominville and his agent. That's the way I look. That's the way I'm seeing it. We certainly don't have to like it, though. We don't have to like it or agree with it, but it is what it is. They are doing what they're going to do. So that's pretty much it. Please do check out the Facebook page for Brave the Wild. It is facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Please follow the Twitter and please, yeah, again, like the page for Facebook. The Twitter account is at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. I will also give a shout out and encourage you to follow or encourage you to like Facebook.com forward slash MN Wild Players, MN Wild Players, Facebook.com forward slash MN Wild Players. Please do join that page as well. Pavel and Merrick Skyba, thank you. Pavel Bonnier and Merrick Skyba, thank you guys so much for having me on that page as an admin. It is greatly appreciated and allowing me to post a link to this show as well on there. Thank you guys so much. Out of the Czech Republic, just the best hockey fans there are because. You know, they follow the Wild religiously. That's what's so cool about that page, is how they follow the the Wild religiously. And also, they keep up with all the prospects, from top to bottom, from Luke Cunning all the way down to freaking Sam Morning, or even beyond. (laughs) It's awesome. They keep up with all of them, and it's really cool. Sam Morning, of course, Quad City Mailers, future uh, (laughs) Rapid City Rush, unless he can come up to the AHL, which I would love to see Sam Morning move up a bit. That would be cool. Uh, so it is what it is. It's been a fun show. I've enjoyed doing it. I just wish there was more positive things to say. I wish there were more answers, but unfortunately there's more questions than answers at this stage, and that's where we stand. We'll be doing a new show again fairly soon where we will talk about the free agency that takes place. Maybe another trade happens very soon, a more significant one than what's taken place so far because you pretty much had Tyler Grayvok, Jordan Schrader, and then the Alex Tuck one, which was significant, but it was more of just to protect Matt Dumba at the end of the day. It was a forced trade. It wasn't a creative trade. There was nothing creative about it until we, we had to be creative because we had to lose somebody. That's what sucks. And I don't know. That's what happens when Vegas pays $500 million to enter the National Hockey League. At least the owners of the Vegas Knights, the franchise, uh, did that. So it is what it is. You're going to lose somebody of value, and the Wild have done that, unfortunately. Kind of expensive, but at least the Wild get a third-round pick in 2018. (sighs) Hopefully we do something good with it. Please, uh, Chuck Fletcher, get the right players in here if you could. That would be great. I understand it's easier said than done. So, yeah, it's never going to be perfect. Oh, boy. So far, the Timberwolves are winning the weekend, though. Uh, Or at least they won the last weekend. Yes, the draft and the trade and all that. But, yeah, do check out Timberwolves Explosion. But, again, tell your friends about this show. It would be greatly appreciated. hate to be the bearer bearer of not-so-great news. And even though it's not news, it's more of a discussion and giving my thoughts of the situation. It is what it is. So we'll be back soon. I want to thank you guys very much for listening. Again, stay tuned for the next show. It will come out in the next two to three weeks, depending on what the Wild do in free agency. All right, so talk to you soon. Stay warm, stay cool, depending on what part of the world you're in. Enjoy and get to those hockey rinks and uh, stay sharp. Take care, everybody.